the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on this Valentine's Day. We had a wonderful discussion about Valentine's Day in the first hour. And, of course, Joan called and and asked a little bit about, you know, are, are the origins of Valentine's Day pagan? And I said, quite the opposite. The origins of Valentine's Day seem to be rooted and grounded on a Christian who wants to protect marriage, or at least the Judeo-Christian understanding of marriage. And so again, the number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935, if you'd like to join me on the program in the first hour. I reported that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had invoked a very rarely used emergency powers uh, against the Freedom Convoy, which I think is going to unfold rather quickly. Um, the The current administration has has led at least most of the world to believe, and even the uh, Ukrainian pr- uh, president has led the world to believe that Russia could invade as soon as Wednesday. And there's an interesting story in the Middle East. Now, again, I don't know if you know who Gal Gadot is. She played in the movie Wonder Woman, and uh, she was a former Miss Israel. But she uh, filmed a, she made a movie called Death on the Nile. Now, because... Because Gal Gadot served in the Israeli military, there are certain Middle Eastern countries that will not allow the film to be shown. Now, the film earned about almost $13 million in domestic box office sales over the weekend, but According to certain news outlets, Lebanon and Kuwait won't be playing the follow-up to 2017's Murder on the Orient Express, another film based on Agatha Christie's novel by the same name, according to Deadline. Lebanon blocked Godot's Wonder Woman from debuting in 2017, and Wonder Woman was also banned in Cutter. And the sequel, Wonder Woman 1984, was banned in Lebanon. And the reason for blacklisting Death on the Nile appears to be that the 36-year-old Godot's two years of service in the Israeli Armed Forces, which is mandated by her country, is unacceptable. You know, it's interesting to me, um, Sean McVeigh, Won the Super Bowl yesterday, 36 years old. Gal Gadot, 36 years old. I don't know why I think that's interesting because I, I have a son who's 36 year, years old, and it doesn't seem that 36 years is old enough to do anything, but hey, that's not true. 
my first year as the pastor of Calvary South Denver, I was 36 years old. And that was, can you believe it, 30 years ago. So the Daily Mail reported last week that per the Kuwaiti newspaper, the decision to ban the film was sparked by protests on social media. Now think about the power of social media to to, to, to direct sentiment. Imagine that on social media, so many people respond that literally governments literally capitulate. The outlet also referenced an unnamed government official who said Kuwait would not allow a movie star starring a former soldier in the Zionist occupying army to air in the country. Now, this seems to be a lot of ingratitude, particularly when Iraq invaded Kuwait and the United States of America came to Kuwait's rescue because the film, after all, isn't a Gal Gadot film. Death on the Nile is an American film. And Gal Gadot was facing leftist internet scorn in May because she posted a tweet. You know what her crime, her tweet she supports Israel as a citizen of a Jewish state. So she posted a tweet in support of Israel as citizens of the Jewish state sheltered in place while terrorist groups along the Gaza Strip launched nonstop barrage of rockets on the country. Here's what she tweeted word for word. Quote, my heart breaks. My country's at war. I worry for my family, my friends. I worry for my people. This is a vicious cycle that has gone, been going on far too long. Israel deserves to live as a free and safe nation. Our neighbors deserve the same. I pray for the victims and their families. I pray for this unimaginable hostility to end. I pray for our leaders to find the solution so we could live side by side in peace. I pray for better days. That was the tweet. That's the outrageous tweet that generated so much animosity. And for defending her country? Gal Gadot was condemned by those on the left as a war criminal, a disgrace to everything Wonder Woman is supposed to stand for and deserving of losing all her roles in current and future projects. Can you imagine the animosity, the vitriol, the hatred to try and cancel her? By the way, this is hardly the first time Gal Gadot has faced backlash for her allegiance to Israel. In October of 2020, she was the target of intense anti-Semitic attacks after she announced, hey, she's teaming up with Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins to remake the 1963 epic Cleopatra, which was originally portrayed by the late Elizabeth Taylor. 
and she was ridiculed by social media. One social media accused her of being boring, untalented, white, Zionist. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if someone said that about it? any other actress? Another critic, journalist Samira Khan, wrote, shame on you, Gal Gadot. Your country steals Arab land and you're stealing their movie roles. This person called her, called the actor, a genocidal Zionist because she played Cleopatra. And during an interview last month and with InStyle, Godot said she and Jenkins will be telling the story the world needs to hear, referring to Cleopatra. By the way, Cleopatra Seventh was Greek. She was a direct descendant of Ptolemy, who was a Macedonian general with Alexander the Great in the 3rd century B.C. Does that shock you and surprise you? That a Jewish girl could play a Greek descendant? 303-873-1935. This is getting out of hand. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to take your call, 303-873-1935. That's the number. Again, we take questions about God, the historical Jesus, about the Bible, and, of course, worldviews and world religions. Again, 303-873-1935. CBN at CBN.com has this amazing headline, trucker blockade in D.C. for the State of the Union? That's a question mark. The protest is spreading. It's been offered today by Dale Hurd, who writes for CBN. He says that police have cleared the massive trucker blockade on the Ambassador Bridge between Detroit and Windsor, Ontario, but the protests against COVID restrictions are continuing elsewhere in Canada and all along the U.S. border and are continuing to spread to other parts of the world. And he writes that after days of protests that brought the Detroit-Windsor crossing to a standstill, police and SWAT teams moved in to put a stop to the week-long blockade. Authorities towed cars and trucks and arrested a handful of protesters. The blockade was so effective it caused disruptions at some U.S. auto plants. Michelle Krebs at Cox Automotive said, quote, it's just one more thing that's challenging auto production. I would think the plants would start up next week or early next week. The protests have caused some provinces in Canada to drop or scale back COVID restrictions, which in effect means they're working. They're working. And I think, I think the Canadian people. I, I'm, I'm just being. I'm, I'm making a general statement, and I don't have any hard facts to back up what I'm about to say. But it seems to me that Canadian people are fairly patient. 
And I'm also thinking that when I look at the mask mandates and the COVID prohibitions and restrictions, that there's a growing group of people in the United States who've run out of patience. They are at the end. And according to CBN outlet, the writer says Ontario Premier Doug Ford and his cabinet met on Monday and finally decided, that's today, to to lift the rules on vaccine passports within two weeks. He claimed the move was not a result of the protests. <laughs> there continue to be large protests in Europe about the mask mandates, COVID restrictions, prohibitions, including the Netherlands and France, where police used tear gas on demonstrators. Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky told Daily Signal he supports trucker protests spreading to America. The United States Senator said in an interview, quote, unquote, I'm all for it. He said, quote, civil disobedience is a time-honored tradition in our country. From slavery to civil rights, you name it. Peaceful protests clog things up, make people think about the mandates, unquote. Meanwhile, another blockade is forming in Buffalo at the Peace Bridge into Canada. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says authorities will move in to deal with any blockade of the border. And of course, according to CBN.com, the Department of Homeland Security has distributed a bulletin to law enforcement agencies warning that a convoy of protesting truckers, quote unquote, will potentially begin in California as early as mid-February. We're there and arrive in Washington, D.C. to disrupt the President of the United States' planned State of the Union address. How interesting. 303-873-1935, that's the number, if you want to join me on the program. And of course, hardly a day goes by where we don't report yet another story that has to do with the rise of the post-truth culture, the rise of the sexual revolution, critical theory, and LGBTQ agenda. This from the United Kingdom. A United Kingdom doctor, medical doctor, was fired because he would not call a bearded transsexual madam. A Christian doctor in the United Kingdom fired because he said, I'm not going to call a biological male madam because his desire is to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is being brought before the United Kingdom's Employment Appeal Tribunal, which is allegedly an independent court which settles legal disputes about employment law. A previous tribunal heard from Dr. David Macarath's case in 2019 
and labeled his speech as, quote, not worthy of respect in a democratic society, and it's incompatible with human dignity. McCarrath, 56, a physician with 28 years of experience, is going to challenge that ruling in March. He's represented by the Christian Legal Center, which is the legal arm of the watchdog group Christian Concern. And several different news outlets have uh, reported that in 2019, the British government's Department of Work and Pensions fired Dr. David Macarith from his job as a disability assessor in late June because he refused to hypothetically refer to a six-foot-tall bearded man as Madam. And Macarith had previously worked as an emergency room doctor for the National Health Service. He was removed from his job in June 2018 after being interrogated about his personal religious convictions. We're almost there. Britain, if you actually embrace a biblical view of gender, of human sexuality, you could be criminally prosecuted. The doctor said, quote, I am a Christian and in good conscience cannot do what the Department of Work and Pensions is requiring of me. The judge ruled that Genesis chapter one, verse 27, listen carefully, is mere opinion. Now, this is interesting to me. The judge ruled that Genesis one twenty seven is simply opinion. Now, what I'm wondering is, is there good evidence that Genesis chapter one, verse 27 is more than simply opinion? So in verse 27, it says, so God created man. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So if the judge rules that that's just simply opinion, then why wouldn't that opinion be protected under British law? His legal team argued that his conscientious objection to transgenderism is based on his belief that it would be irresponsible and dishonest for health professionals to accommodate and encourage a patient's impersonation of the opposite sex. And we've finally made it, haven't we? Remember years and years and years it was argued that by decriminalizing homosexual behavior, you would one day criminalize the belief that homosexual behavior is sinful, wrong. We've come full circle. I wonder what else will become unprotected in the weeks and months ahead. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you would like to uh, join me, it's 303-873-1935. I know that a lot of my um, show has been 
talking about a number of different things. And again, as there's a growing concern over what's going on in Ukraine and with Russia, um, many of you know that the president of the United States had over an hour long call with uh, the president of Russia and world leaders are deeply concerned. And so it's hard for me to believe that there's so much smoke and there can be no fire. So what I'm, uh, you know, as we keep our eye on what's going on, there's a growing group of people in Ukraine and in Russia, for that matter, that are praying in 2014 when Russian-backed separatists invade, invaded eastern Ukraine, thousands of folks fled to cities like um, – it's LVIV is the name of the city, Lviv. Today, with the threat of another Russian invasion, authorities in Lviv and across western Ukraine are bracing for 5 million refugees. Now, today, the president, Zelensky – talked about that there is no Eastern Ukraine or Western Ukraine. There's just one Ukraine. And I get what he, what he meant. But but what, what he's doing is he's, he's saying, no, I am not willing to give away any portion of Ukraine. So Russia's adding forces and military hardware to the border, inching closer and closer. Washington says 130,000 Russian troops are standing at the border. They have kept satellite photos. The the, um, the State Department and other uh, groups of people in the United States government has said all they see are signs of escalation and no signs of de-escalation. Meanwhile, Ukrainians, I was talking with a lady at church yesterday and she had conversation with her father and brother and 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 um, was just telling me about some of that conversation. And again, there's a growing group of people. And if you are Ukrainian and you listen to this program, I would be interested to know what your family and friends have been telling you. 303-873-1935. It's my understanding that Ukrainians are holding almost daily drills ready to defend their country. I know that there are other Ukrainians who are basically suggesting that they should be able to go somewhere, anywhere, in order to escape the threat of this growing hostility. But Ukrainian Christians are deploying another weapon, prayer and worship. One of the pastors, and I talked a little bit about this of the New Generation Church said, people are worried, but we encourage them to look to Jesus with all of our might, because it's only through prayer that we can keep peace in our country. And 70% of this pastor's congregation is from eastern Ukraine, many of them escaping ongoing violence there. He said, quote, my heart right now is with my relatives I left behind in Donsk. My mother, my sister, my grandmother, but they can't leave this territory, and it breaks me, he said. And then it went, it, the, the newscast goes on with weekend talks between our president and Russia's Vladimir Putin failing to de-escalate, diffuse the tension. Again, it just continues to grow. Embassies, foreign embassies, including the United States, are moving 
to LVIV near the Polish border. And just as that's happening in a small upper room in that city, Christians from across Africa are praying for their host country, ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus for those who have to flee. A Nigerian pastor from Christ Embassy Church said, quote, as Christians and as people of God, it's our job and our duty to pray for the whole world because the Lord wants peace. On the other side of town, more pastors met on Sunday. And again, for a time of planning and prayer, there's a a growing group that are telling news outlets that in a very real sense, this is ultimately a fight for freedom. Others warn that Ukrainian Christians are being silenced in areas that are occupied by Russian separatists. One pastor said, quote, they're forbidden from having church meetings altogether, but they still do it secretly. And I think this is what will happen if Russia invades. He said, but the truth is that it's impossible to stop the church of Jesus Christ, unquote. And it's that church in that small I guess, I don't know how big the town is. If you're Ukrainian, you can tell me how to pronounce Lviv or Viv. I should know how to pronounce this. L-V-I-V. So they're continuing to preach hope and peace in the midst of uncertainty. 303-873-1935. That's the number. We can go to some other questions. And happy to take those questions as well. Now, back to the Bible, which is, of course, my favorite, favorite issue, question, source. So, here's the question. Let's see if I've got time. Can Jesus forgive anyone? Wow. There are people who don't even consider coming to Jesus because they think that they've done things, certain things that are unforgivable, inexcusable. I remember having a conversation with my own father about this. I said, when I was sharing Christ with him, and he goes, I've done some things. A lot of people assume that Jesus wouldn't want to forgive them. But since human beings tend not to forgive each other when they've been wrong, some people think that that's the way God thinks about it. But the forgiveness that Jesus offers, the the forgiveness that Jesus gives, isn't like human forgiveness. The Bible makes it clear that no matter what anyone has done, Jesus can forgive and will forgive if people in repentance and submission will come to him and say, I want Jesus in my life. I want him to forgive me. I believe that his sacrifice for my sins will cleanse all of my sins. So the forgiveness that's offered by Jesus is thorough, complete, 
and it covers us for our sins. His forgiveness is based on something entirely different from what we can base our forgiveness on, and that's his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. His death made it possible for our sins to be forgiven, and I know that for many, many unbelievers, that seems like an absurdity. How can one man's death make it possible for every man's sin to be forgiven? And this is the exact argument that Paul will make in the book of Romans. But also in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said, For he, that is God, made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But we can experience that forgiveness only if we place our confidence, our faith in him as Savior. And when that occurs... God forgives our sins. He not only forgives our sins, he doesn't hold it against us. In Psalm 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, as so far as he removed our transgressions from us. There is one thing that he can't forgive. You'd like to know what it is? I'll tell you when we come back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Just very quickly before I left. I said, what is the one thing that Jesus can't forgive? Well, the only thing that Jesus can't forgive, will not forgive, is for the person who continually rejects him as Savior, who continually refuses to accept what he's done on the cross, and then dies in their sin. That's the one thing he won't forgive. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Linda, welcome to the program. Hi, Linda. So, Jimbo, I got nothing. Hello? All right, we'll we'll wait for Linda to come on. And as we're waiting, do you want to remind you that tomorrow is Tough Question Tuesday, and I will make every effort to be here tomorrow and answer your toughest questions about the Bible. 303-873-1935. Do we have a little bit of a technical difficulty here, Jim? Well, I know that she was asking the question about how can she explain what the soul is. Okay, you're there. So to my understanding, Linda, you want to know about how can you explain what a soul is. Is that right? Right. Yep. And where did it come from? And when did we get it? And yeah. So, so th- these are complicated questions. But so what the, I noticed. Yeah. I, I the, went to gut questions. Yeah. It was very complicated. So I called you. Yes. Well, one of the the the, the ways I would think about it about your question about where does it come from? Now, if you went to got questions, then you know that got questions talks about the soul as being something. Not something that you have, but something that you are. So, in other words, the soul is that part of you which isn't physical. And it and we know that from the death of Rachel, when it says, as her soul was departing. And from that, we know that the soul is different from the body. And then it continues to live after death. But to your other harder question, 
um, where does it come from, and and how do we how do we think about that? And there, there's a um, there's a word. It's a kind of a big word. It's called traducianism, and it's a, it's a word um, that basically talks about what you're talking about. What are some of the theories of of where we come from? And you know, did did do we pre-exist? Um, are all souls made at the same time? Is there some sort of soul receptacle somewhere? And um, is that what you are kind of interested in knowing about? Well, I kind of reject that. I mean, um, that's why I decided I'd call you rather than to read any more about this trend, this museum, and whatever you said. Yeah, it's traducianism. And so, Mm -hmm. again, it, it isn't simply an explanation. It's, it's, uh, the way that I would answer that is it would appear that God creates human beings and he imparts a soul to them upon conception. So what do you think, where do you think we come from? Well, that's what I always thought, what you just said. Well, and I think that that's right. And I'm trying to, I don't know why my computer's acting up. And there it is. I'm trying to find my Traducianism article. But um, I think I'm going to, maybe I'm spelling it wrong because it is kind of a hard word, huh? Traducianism. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those words that um, that explains the origin. You know, is our soul passed from a parent's body to a child's body? Um. And the biblical view for traducianism is found in the creation account, where it says the Lord God formed man out of dust of the ground. He breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living being. So we know that from from the start of Adam, God literally breathes into him and creates a soul. Um, and so traducianism is the belief that at conception, both the child's body and soul and spirit are passed on to the child from the parents. A differing view is that God creates a new soul out of nothing for each child conceived. So so there's one view. There's another view. Both traducianism and creationism have some strengths and weaknesses. Now, the biblical support for God creates, well, for the Traducian, it says that the Lord God formed man out of the dust, like I said, 
And then in Psalm 51, 5, it says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, from the point of conception. Another passage is Hebrews 7, 9, where it says, One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid his the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. In other words, it was Levi is considered to be in the body of his ancestor even before his conception. And so how do we think about that? The origin of the human soul. And my own view is that God creates uh, the soul out of nothing. And so... If that's true, if that's true, then it's the, it's the view that was held by the early church, mostly. So the weakness is that if God has been continually creating human souls, then how are we to think about when the, body, when the Bible says that God ceased in creating? So a right, third, view, a third view, pardon me? I said, that's where I got, you know, kind of tangled up. Right. Reading questions. Right. And so if that's true, if God creates each soul at the moment it's needed, then the separation of soul and body is held. But the weakness is, like I said, that God is continually creating new human souls. While Genesis, it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 it says, on the seventh day, he finished his work. Now, that brings up that third view, which lacks biblical support. It's like the Mormon view, that humans uh, attach to a human being at the moment of a, a conception, or that there's some sort of warehouse of souls somewhere where God stores the soul to await a human body and then to attach it to the human body. But that's not that's not a biblical view. That's a view that's held by reincarnation people and new age people. But I suspect that the creationist view is more correct, but that the soul, I I guess the way I would put it is that the soul doesn't exist prior to its conception, but that at its conception, it really does in fact exist. And then we'll live forever and ever somewhere. Well, I hope that helps. So, that's a tough t- That's a tough question. You should have saved it for tough question Tuesday. So, again, whether God creates a new human soul at the moment of conception or whether he designs the human reproductive process to also reproduce a soul, God's responsible. God's responsible for the existence of souls. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.